Our Father in heaven, we are very grateful for this morning. We thank you for such a relevant ministry like Adagra. We thank you that you are truly blessing us to hear your voice and to know that you are leading and you are preparing a people to meet their God. And so, Father, we pray not only for this moment, but we pray for this entire time that we will be here on these grounds. This is holy ground because you're here. And so we thank you for the privilege to hear your words. Give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to the church. And bless us now as we fellowship one with another. We commit ourselves into your hands. Take our lives and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Is our prayer we ask in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. Amen. All right. Uh, I'll be drawing a good amount of our attention to the screen, so obviously I would expect you to take a look at that. Um, Outside of that, you're welcome, of course, to open your Bibles. Please take good notes so that way we can not only hear, but we can go back, we can study, and we can put these things into practice by the grace of God. Also, I'm going to actually task you with an assignment. Somebody said, what? We're doing homework? Yep, you're doing homework. We came here to learn, didn't we? So one of the things I want to do is I want to task you with an assignment, and I cannot tell you how excited I am about this assignment, but let us begin by going through the Bible. In Matthew 28, we know the great gospel commission. Jesus made it very, very clear when the Bible says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations. And that word teach, methateu, in the Greek, it means make disciples. It says, go ye therefore and teach or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. One of the first things we need to understand is, you know, we, we often have to remember focus. Focus is everything. When we're doing gospel ministry, focus is everything. And if you don't have the right focus, you can miss the whole point. This is why we're told in that precious little book, Education, page 262, under the chapter, The Life Work, that it says, success in any line demands a definite aim. If you want to be successful, you got to be focused. And when you come to meetings like this, if I were to ask the average individual, why are you here at Adagra? Somebody would say, I want to learn how to garden. Somebody might say, I want to learn how to grow blueberry bushes. Somebody would say, I want to learn how to go into the field and take what I grow from my property and make some money and start industries. Well, I want to take your minds a little higher. The thing that Christ wants us to remember is that every instrument and every vehicle and every tool that he gives to us as his people is supposed to better equip us that we might go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. How can Ad Agra enable me and enable you to become better gospel workers for the master, better soul winners for the Lord? That should be the number one question. And that's the question I pray every single one of you can ask yourself when you leave here. When you leave here, how did this Ad Agra Conference 2022 better position our organization, our families, or me as an individual? How did it equip me that I can better know how to communicate the gospel to those who know it not? 
If we miss this, we miss everything. And so this is the Great Commission. Let this be our focus. And I give this, obviously, to those instructors, the instructors who will be instructing, as well as to all of those who will be listening and learning. May this be our focus, because I'm telling you the truth. We're living in a time, brothers and sisters, where things are getting serious. It's getting hot. It's getting very, very serious. And on Sabbath, we're going to talk about it, because harvest time is very much approaching. And the Lord wants us to be. I, I, I do not say those words in my prayer just for, you know, habit or, you know, just to be, you know, repetitious. I really mean it when I say we must become a people prepared to meet our God. We are getting ready to go through very troublous times. The great grand majority of the people in the world and in the church are wholly unprepared for what is getting ready to come to take the majority of us in this world as an overwhelming surprise. And what God wants is he wants us to take all these precious little youth. I knew there would be so many families, especially homeschooling families, which is always beautiful to see. And when we see all of our family and our children here, my mind always goes back to that precious little book that I trust and hope we all have read. And if you haven't read it, please make it a priority to read it. There's never been a time like now to read it. Great Controversy. In that book, Great Controversy, it was right there on page 366, when the saints of God were in Scandinavia and they were giving that first angel's message. The leadership and many people in Scandinavia began to persecute the people of God that were proclaiming the words of God. And they were trying to silence them, very much like you read in the book of Matthew, when they tried to silence all these people saying, glory to God and Hosanna to the son of David. And the Bible, you know, it points out how it transitioned from a multitude to children. And that's why Jesus said, you know, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Do you know in Great Controversy 366, it says that when the adults were being persecuted in silence, it said the children would start to take up the refrain. And it says that the children were actually saying Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. She said that when the children were just regular, she said they were regular children. I mean, they played on swings and threw rocks and did everything like little kids do. But she says, but when the spirit of God took control of their minds, she says those little kids, those little children, she says their tone of voice and their manners changed. And then, here's the part that I love. It says these children were as young as six and eight years old. That's Great Controversy 366. Read it. Great Controversy 366. Get a chance to read that. And so, parents, we are to train our children not just to know a lot of the lovely little songs that children sing and go through some of the, you know, typical things that we teach our children. We even must impart to our children the present truth. Even our precious little ones are able to be acquainted with the first, second, and third angel's message. They must also develop a passion that, as they're little children, and I'm sure we're going to see children doing a lot of children's things on these grounds, because this is a beautiful ground we're on. And that's all right, but I look forward to seeing those moments when the Spirit of God takes possession of those children's minds, and to see that tone and that manner change, and to watch how God can use young people to arrest the attention of those who know not the everlasting gospel that we might be empowered to make it known. Amen? And so it is, please let us remember this as we go forward. Now, 
in this, you remember that Jesus made a wonderful promise. He made a promise to us in the teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. He promised, don't ever say you're lonely. Remember, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So this is our focus and this is our work. And I am thankful to be a fellow worker with the master. What do you say? Now watch this. The next thing we need to focus on is the field. Because obviously at Agra, you know, at Agra is here. We are another conference, part of the blessed movement of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, giving the blessed herald of the first, second, and third angels message. This is the work that God has called us to do. We are told in that wonderful little book, Manuscript Release, book two, page 228. It says God's purpose. God's purpose in giving the third angel's message to the world is to prepare a people to stand true to him during the investigative judgment. And then it says, this is the reason we do two things. I love this quote. That was manuscript release, book one, book two, or book one, page 228. I think it's book one, page 228. It says, this is the reason that we establish and maintain our publishing houses, our schools, our sanitariums, our food factories, our restaurants. And then it says this is the focus for every line of work in the cause. Is Ad Agra a line of work in the cause? So it's the same focus. You got that? It's the same focus. So now that we have our focus, let's talk about the field. Where are we working? Where are we going to work? Whose hearts are we going to touch? Let's go to the book of James chapter 5. Let's notice the field. James 5. You need to know your field. Again, because if, if we're going to reach souls, if we're going to win souls, then we need to know where to go to work. So let's go ahead and let's look at James 5. Again, success in any line demands a definite aim. You got to have a focus. We know what our message and our focus should be. Now let's go ahead and talk about the field. In James 5, I love this. Because often when we talk about the work of soul saving, soul winning, we often think those outside of the church. Well, let's notice what James 5 says. Because I do agree, certainly the unchurched, certainly those who know not God at all, the heathen as we would call them. The word heathen doesn't mean a wretched, nasty person. The word heathen simply means someone who is not acquainted with the true and living God. That's a heathen. So let us not go crazy when we hear the word heathen. You know, it's something you say, that person's a heathen. You say, how could you insult them like that? And it's like, well, hold on. The word heathen, by definition, means someone who is not acquainted with the true and living God. They could be totally dignified and wear a suit every day, even to bed. It doesn't mean that they still don't qualify to be called a heathen. A heathen is someone who's just not acquainted with the true and living God. Now, Let's notice something else outside of the heathen, however, in James 5. In James 5 and verse 19, it says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, did they know the truth? Yes, but they erred. They fell away from it. Is that right? All right. It says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, it says, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So that means according to the Bible, 
Sinners are not just people outside the church and unbaptized. It is possible to be inside the church and baptized and in the eyes of heaven still be accounted as a sinner. So that means that we have to we have a dual work. We have to win souls within as well as win souls without at the same time. This is your field. Let us not assume that just because you're in the building means you're in Christ. Let us not assume that just because someone names a name or holds a high position. You'll remember it was John the Baptist that was going around and telling even leaders that they were called to repent. We're told in Review and Herald, November 28th, 1907, paragraph 10. In this age, just prior to the second coming of Christ in the clouds of heaven, such a work as that of John the Baptist is to be done. God calls for men who will prepare a people to stand in the great day of the Lord. Now notice, the message preceding the public ministry of Christ was repent who? Publicans and sinners, repent who else? Pharisees and Sadducees. Repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. So our work of going and proclaiming the gospel it is going to affect leaders. Did you, can you imagine that there are leaders that don't know Jesus? Is that possible? Oh, I know it for a fact. It is possible. Before my heart surgery, while I was a leader, while I preached the word of God with power, and while many people the world over were saying so many kind and amazing things about that guy called Dwayne Lemon, and while people were praising me and saying all sorts of things and I'm working at a school and I'm training missionaries and doing all these things, traveling the world over, many of your faces that I've met many times over, some of you have even expressed your appreciation of the messages. But when I found out that my heart was going down, when I found out that I was going through all that trouble, this evangelist and this preacher, this leader, began to curse God to his face. I began to accuse God and charge him with folly. I said, so I work for you and this is how you treat me and I'm, I'm just going after God as it were. And I remember the sweet voice of God's spirit and what God was saying to me is God said, son, do you see everything coming out of your mouth right now in this crisis? And I'm like, yes, Lord. And God says, the only reason it came out of you is because it was always in you. Nothing comes out of us unless it was already in us. And crisis does not produce character. It just reveals it. And so I know that there are leaders that can do even marvelous work and know not God. Jesus said, you do not understand me. You preached me and you taught me, son, but you need to learn me all over again. And that's why post-heart surgery, after I came out of my heart surgery and this mental meltdown that I went through, all oh, my brothers and sisters, you know what Jesus did? Jesus, as it were, Jesus kind of knocked on my heart's door and said, hi, my name is Jesus. And he just, it's like he just came to me and he said, listen, I want to get to know you. And more importantly, I want you to get to know me. And you know what I decided to do? And that's why I went dark. For those of you who were following me during that time, there was a period where I did no public meetings or anything. 
And you know what I was doing? I was getting to know the master all over again. I said, Lord, I'm not, I don't want to believe anything. I said, I want to start all over. And I began to just go deep into the word. And that's why I can't wait to have that study with you on having time with God in nature. I can't wait to have that time with you because God really wants us to have something more intimate than what we have. So believe me when I say we are living in a time that the preachers, the many a star that we have admired for their brilliancy. Some of those stars are on their way out in darkness. I'm telling you the truth. This is not the time to get our eyes fixed on men. You and I need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Nobody else. Don't get caught up in leaders. I'm warning you, brothers and sisters. Appreciate men. Thank God for what they say and keep it at that. Let all of your adoration be poured out upon the only one who is truly worthy of it. And that is Jesus. Everybody else are lesser lights. It is Christ that is that great light. Now, if we're going to do this work, what's the method that we should use? And you know the method that Jesus taught us? Object lessons. That's the method. <laughs> it, 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 in fact, that's not merely the method. It's the most effective method. It's the most effective method. Object lessons. You see, the term object lesson indicates that God uses objects to help us learn practical and eternal lessons about him and the plan of salvation. Practical and eternal lessons about him in the plan of salvation. And this is largely done because of weakness and practicality. In other words, when God wants to communicate the gospel, the method that he used when he walked on this earth, our beautiful Emmanuel, God with us, when Jesus walked on this earth, we know that he's the master teacher. And when he walked on this earth, the method that he adopted was none other than how can I communicate the everlasting gospel? How can I communicate the truth as it is in Jesus? How can he do it? And the way that he did it was through object lessons. That was the number one way. And you'll remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, even before he became the incarnate Christ, even before he touched this earth, he was using object lessons. You remember the children of Israel. They came out of heathenism, big time heathenism, a whole entire location that knew not the true and living God. And their minds were affected by it. And their minds were so grossly affected by it that when God saw, okay, I'm bringing you out of Egypt. I'm teaching you a new song, Song of Moses. I'm changing your diet, Exodus 16. I'm going to go ahead and teach you about the principles of cooperation. When you lift Moses' hands up, you succeed. When you let his hands go down, you go down. Exodus 17. I'm going to give you organization so you can know how to work decently and in order. Exodus 18. I'm going to remind you of my covenant. Exodus 19. And then I'm going to once again show you the standard of living. Exodus 20. And then I'm going to show you how to take the standard of living and make it practical in daily life, Exodus 21 through 24. And do you know, after all that, the children of Israel were still struggling to understand. Still struggling. And so you know what God did? God says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make it easier for you to understand the gospel. What did God do? God says, let them make me a sanctuary. That's why God did it. 
Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. You remember that in Exodus 20 and verse 8. We're told in that precious little book, Education, it says, but the people were slow to learn the lesson. While God was trying to teach them high and holy things, the people were slow to learn the lesson. And so it says, but the people were slow to learn the lesson. Accustomed as they had been in Egypt to material representations of the deity and these of the most degrading nature, it was difficult for them to conceive of the existence or the character of the unseen one. It was hard for them to practice faith in a God they couldn't see when they spent 400 plus years around a bunch of false gods that they could see. It messed with their head. And so God in pity, notice what it says, in pity for their what? In pity for their weakness, God gave them a symbol of his presence. Let them make me a sanctuary, he said, that I may dwell among them. Education, page 35. God knew the people need to see practical object lessons that can go ahead and teach them of what I want of them or from them. It was when Jesus came into this world, you'll remember that he used parables. It was in Matthew 13, 10 through 15. We won't have to turn there. We don't have the time. But in Matthew 13, 10 through 15, you remember Jesus taught in parables. And he said to the people, and I will not teach in any other way but through parables. Well, what was the reason for that? Notice what inspiration says. First and foremost, the word parables in and of themselves is fictitious narrative, but it's of common life conveying a moral. Jesus would use stuff that people addressed in common life, day-to-day life, and he would use that as the means to teach them present truth in his day. This was given to us as a model. This was given to us as a beautiful model. This is why we're told so wide was Christ's view of truth, so extended his teaching that every phase of what? Nature was employed in illustrating truth. The scenes upon which the eye daily rests were all connected with some spiritual truth so that nature is clothed with the parables of the master. Jesus used what the people were surrounded by so that it could help them to become acquainted with who he is. Watch what it says here. Parable teaching was popular and commanded the respect and attention not only of the Jews, but of the people of other nations. No more effective method of instruction could have been employed. If his hearers had desired a knowledge of divine things, they might have understood his words, for he was always willing to explain them to the honest inquirer. So Jesus wanted us to understand that object lessons is the best way to teach. It's the best way to educate. It's the best way to take somebody from ignorance to intelligence. It's object lessons. And the number one tool that Christ used was what? Nature 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 you remember that it was the apostle paul that made a statement in romans chapter 10 and verse 17 faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god but then he said something very interesting in the next verse in the next verse he said have they not heard and the answer was yes and then it says their sound went throughout all the earth and their words 
unto the ends of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're a Bible student, that should have made you scratch your head. Because those exact words that Paul said in Romans 10 and verse 18 is in Psalm 19. Go to Psalm 19 with me. As we're preparing to close, I want us to take a look at these one points, and I'm going to get ready to give you an assignment. In Psalm 19, I want us to see what the Bible says. And this is why I am grateful. I mean, seriously, this is a big crowd for the first morning meeting. I'm serious. This is really awesome. But I'll also say this. I wish it was double, triple, quadruple, quintuple, and the rest. Because these, what we're going to learn during our time here in Adagra, this is what God's people the world over need to understand. This is, if we, the, a gospel that is not practical is a worthless gospel. We're talking all these high holy principles. If we really believe a time of no buy, no sell is going to come, did God give us practical instruction on what to do? If we really believe that we're living in a time where seriously people are struggling just to get food that's healthy. That means that somebody needs to be raised up that can go ahead and get some land and grow some healthy food and bring it to some of those communities that are struggling just to get healthy food. I come from one of them. You go into a lot of these broke down black communities, you could barely find good food. There's certainly no whole foods there. There's not any sprouts. It's not no Trader Joe's either. Somebody has to care enough to go into that community and say, hey, you guys don't know how to eat. Let us show you how to eat. Let us show you how to do these things. And so I know for sure that, the, and there's many more communities, not just black communities, there's many communities that are going through the very same struggle. The gospel that we receive must be practicable. We must be able to practice it and to demonstrate it before others. Well, if you go to Psalm 19, God begins to show one of the ways that their sound, the gospel, went throughout all the, earth the end, all the world and to the ends of the earth. Look at what it says in Psalm 19. Verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day it utters speech, and night unto night it shows knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Now, verse 4 is almost a verbatim match to Romans 10, 18. Watch what it says in verse 4. Their line. Now, when it's talking about there, this is talking about the heavens. Is that right? Nature. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And in them have he set a tabernacle for the sun. God has made it very clear that nature is his second Bible. Nature is God's second witness. And this is one of the things we do at Adagra. We become way more acquainted with the things of nature. And so there's going to be a preparatory understanding of what we're going through this entire week that we're together. There's going to be practical lessons we're going to learn. And then there's going to be ways by which we can reach others. But here's my question. Looking at this summary, Jesus, through the use of parables and object lessons, made understanding the truth so simple that the only way to miss it was because men love darkness rather than light. And so object lessons 
are given to us to enable us to best fulfill that gospel commission. And so the more that we understand these things, the better equipped we will be. Now, here's the thing. My assignment to you all is this. We're going to have a special time, hopefully on Sabbath afternoon. There's a block of free time for many hours. And what we want to do is we want to see if we can kind of take a period of of that time, just a period of it, maybe about 45 minutes or so. And we're going to come back and review your answers on the question that I'm going to ask you. Nature truly is the means that God wants to use to communicate to the heart his love, his power, and his truth, especially truth for this time. No question about it. Some of us were privileged to get out of the city into the country. Some of us were very privileged. You know, I'm very grateful. We have a, we have a beautiful country home up in the mountains there in Northern California. Only God could have done it. And we're very grateful. And we're going to allow that little retreat. That's God's house before it's my house. And my wife and I and our family, by the grace of God, will play our part faithfully. And some of us have gotten out of the city, into the country, and we're we're getting acquainted with the soil and all these things. And we're going to learn a lot this week. But here's the reality, and I'm sure I think you all can understand this. Are there not people who live in cities? Do they outnumber the people who are living in the countries? Oh, yeah. Now, do you know that some of these people who live in the cities, when they look up in the sky, all they see is a mist, They could barely see a single star, even at night. The pollution and all these things is blocking it out. You follow what I'm saying? So here's the question. Here's the assignment. How would you use object lessons to win souls to Christ in inner cities? How would you use object lessons To win souls to Christ in inner cities. It's in the inner cities we have the millions of people. In the suburbs, we have a little less, and then in the country, we have obviously the least. But in those inner city areas of all of these various states that we come from, you're going to have a lot of people there. Object lessons is the method that Christ uses. How would you use object lessons? to minister and win souls in inner cities. Now, I thought about this because I got to go ahead and come down. I'm going to give you one clue. As a matter of fact, no, I'm not. (laughs) Not going to give it yet. Nope, not going to give it yet. I want your brain cells to really percolate. I want it to move and I want you to think. When we come back on Sabbath, I want us to share some ideas on how to do that because we're going to learn a lot about doing a lot of things but sometimes we don't necessarily know how to go into those inner cities and to reach people that are in desperate need and so how many of you are willing to take on that challenge let me see your hands you willing to take on that challenge amen praise god so and come together as groups come together as families see how god can use you to do a marvelous work not just merely in the countryside and in the suburbs but also right there in those inner cities where there are millions and millions of people who know not God or his truth for this time. I believe that object lessons is one of the keys, but we need to have a broader understanding than what perhaps some of us have today. My hope and prayer is that as we dig deep in prayer, God is going to give us wisdom and show us wondrous things out of his law. Let's go ahead and let's have a word of prayer together, and then we will go ahead and allow them to make the uh, further announcements for the remainder of the day. Our loving Father, we are very grateful, and we thank you for the time in which we were able to spend 
We are grateful that you are reminding us of the commission that you've given and that you've given us the field. But Lord, you also have given us a method and the object lesson is the way in which Jesus taught best. And I pray that you will help us to learn how to do this as well, to reach all classes of all people that your name may be honored and glorified and we might be edified. Keep us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.